You're listening to the official podcast of Millwall Football Club. Please be aware this podcast may contain adult themes and bad language. Not the place for a gentle Sunday afternoon stroll. Not a place for the faint-hearted. What a goal that is! That is one of the greatest goals you will ever see at Wembley. This is a ground, a place, an atmosphere to be feared. Gregory stretching. Morrison's there! Webster. Oh, he's got it through to Cummings. Can he finish? Oh, he can! Incredible! Millwall have only won it! There is a pot of gold under the Wembley arch, and it belongs to Millwall. This is Wall Talk. Yes, hello everybody. Welcome back to episode two of Lions in Scotland, a new mini-series launched here on Wall Talk as we focus on the boys' training camp up north ahead of the season opener in August away at QPR. Yesterday, you heard from Mill Club captain and defender Alex Pearce as he gave an insight into how important trips like this are for team chemistry and bonding, as well as proudly boasting about his table tennis record amongst the squad, particularly calling out Mason Bennett. So it'd be interesting to get Benno's thoughts on that one. We also heard from Mr Preseason himself, Murray Wallace, as he gave an insight onto how he prepares for pre-season as well as other things in there. And I can vouch for him, he is Mr Preseason. I saw him take part in the 1500 metre race last week. The players were paired up and he was paired up with Billy Mitchell. And bless Billy, he tried his very hardest, but Murray Wallace just used his experience and absolutely smashed it out of the park. But that's who we're going to be hearing from today. Young midfielder Billy Mitchell, as well as physiotherapist, Paul Tanner. So for the boys in Scotland, take it away. And for you guys listening at home, sit back and enjoy. PT, thanks for joining us on Wall Talk up here in, in, in Scotland. Um, you're relatively fresh from three months off, aren't you? Over the, <laughs> over the, over the close season or, or, or not, as, it, as the case is. Can you just talk us through what, um, firstly, what the last few months have been like since the close season up to, up to this point? Yeah, of course. Um, so during the off-season, uh, you know, Obviously, there's no games or anything to be played, but we obviously have the injured that are carried over from the end of last season. So um, the main ones being um, Ryan Leonard and Sean Hutchinson, who missed the last sort of few games of the season. And so um, as a department through medical and sports science, we were in um, just trying to get them back fit and healthy for the start of pre-season. So, um, and so far, that's gone quite well. Hutchie's dropped back in and Lenny's starting that process as well. So... You've also got so much to do on a, on a daily basis, obviously treating um, players that pick up different ailments after each session and, and in each session. Um, but either side of that, I suppose the, the kind of more exciting thing for, for listeners to find out about is um, what goes on behind the scenes, perhaps in terms of like signing medicals, things like that. We, you know, we've done five so far with the, with the boys that have bought in. Could you give us a little bit of insight into what is involved, um, how much kind of effort and work goes into that and, and kind of finding results, et cetera, et cetera? Sure, yeah. I mean, the, uh, I mean it's, a, it's, it's a big sort of team effort in terms of doing a medical, you know. It starts off with me just being given a name and I start researching that person, you know, finding out their injury history, what their playing record's like, um, if there's anything significant that I should sort of know about. So we do a bit of due diligence before we've even gotten through the door, really. Um, and then... The whole process of medicals is uh, it's, a, it's a long, drawn-out process. Um, more recently, it's got quicker as, as technology and things have advanced. But you know, as a, as a general rule, we, we like to get people in, um, have a look at them physically. Um, so we check all their joints and whatever. We also uh, scan them. Um, and we generally scan a few body parts to make sure that you... And the, the whole kind of idea behind it really is that you're, you're getting what 
you think you're getting. So although we can have a look at someone's knees and they might look fine, um, unless you scan them, you don't actually see what's going on underneath the surface. And so you can see all sorts of bits and bobs, you know, wear and tear, you know, little cartilage issues, things like that, that you, you just may not pick up on a sort of physical examination. So we, we do that and, you know, we're, we're kind of very lucky in that we've got a very good relationship with some of the best consultants and, and radiologists in, in the country who turn that around for us you know, remarkably quickly. Um, I was about to say, because general public would have to normally tend to wait um, to get their results. But for us, you know, things can come back within a few hours. Absolutely. You know, we, we work quite hard to, to have sort of processes in place to make sure that... Um, we have the availability to get people scanned quickly. Um, like I say, we've got great links with some of the best consultants in the, in the country who luckily I've worked with for, for years and years and who, who sort of turn things around for us really quickly. And more and more as time goes on, um, the kind of whole medical changes, it expands, it gets, it gets bigger, it gets more in depth because obviously players are costing more. And essentially what you're trying to do with the medical is decide how risky a purchase it is. Um, and you want to sort of balance that off against what you think you're buying. Um, so it's, I, I don't obviously get involved in the talent side of it, but what I'm looking at is just, are you getting the, the, the sort of... Uh, full package. The full package the full in package. terms of, you know, the body. I suppose at the end of the day, the manager wants the player, doesn't he? So on your flip side, you want the person to be healthy and Absolutely. working well. Absolutely, and there's nothing worse than signing a player that you think is going to be the answer to a problem and then he's injured for the whole season. Mm. And it happens, it's not, it's not a perfect science. You know, everything we do, everything in medicine, you know, it's not a perfect science. So we, we do the best we can. And what we're trying to make sure is that the, the player that the manager thinks he's buying is the player that he's going to get. And, you know, it's no use to anyone, really, if you sign a player and you can only get them out there for five games of the season. It doesn't help anyone. So that's what we're trying to do from our side. Um, and the manager obviously looks at it from, from the sort of talent side, really. A bit of pressure there, isn't there? For you to make judgment calls at, a, you know, at a, I suppose a fairly intense and, and um, high-pressure moments when yeah. you know sign a player because it's a very complicated the recruitment process can be can be long-winded and complicated yeah. and, you, and you might get a player and then that's it's at that stage where everything is pretty much what well, is tied up absolutely uh, and then you've got to make a set of judgment calls in, in a short amount of time really quick you know um quite often there can be two or three clubs chasing the same player um and if you're lucky enough to get them through the door to do the medical then the pressure is on the time you know the, the clock starts ticking and you know there's a lot of sort of people involved in that you know a lot of stakeholders so it's not just the manager and the player and myself, you know, deciding, you know, is this person going to pass a medical? You know, you've got, um, you know, other other people involved. You've got the chief executive involved. You've got the player's agent involved. You've got external consultants involved. And quite often, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone at sort of 9.30 at night trying to phone a consultant who's sat at Wimbledon watching the tennis, <laughs> asking him if he'll have a look at someone's ankle scan um, just so I can go, you know, yeah, it looks okay. Because the pressure is, if, if it doesn't get done by a certain time, then you know another club could take them on. Anything can happen. So, yeah, it, it can be it can be pressured. You know, re recently I I went out for dinner with my daughter. During that sort of hour I was with her, I got called about eight times by various people about the player and the so so Pete. So in the f sort of physio medical union, people do contact each other from different clubs to sort of say what's he had in the past or what injuries and what problems he have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, so we, we've got a kind of, um, 
a medical WhatsApp group, okay, if you right. like. So we, we all speak to each other, and and for the most part, everyone's really, really honest about it. everything with, you know, uh, everything that's going on. So we we have no problems. For example, Portsmouth phoned me up asking about Sean yeah. Willow the yeah. other week, um, and I'm you know very honest with them about it. You know, um, obviously. Gave him a glowing reference. <laughs> he's, he's very good for us, Willow. You know, sort of, you know, as a player and injury-wise, he's, he's very low maintenance. So, but we, yeah, we speak and, and talk about it, and, and most teams are very sort of open about that as well. You know, how, increasingly, how important is the, is the unity between your department, sports science, and uh, and obviously the football coaching side? Because everything has to come together for the for the best outcomes, not just for the individual players, but you know, collectively as a, as a group as well. Yeah. Um, it's massive, you know. We we have um, meetings uh, every morning with sports science and, and medicine, where we go over all sorts of things. That, you know, it's not just about oh, so and so has got a tight hamstring. You know, we're, we're looking at the numbers, we're looking at the data, we're looking at how much they've done previously, how much we expect them to do, um, and then we sort of kind of try and pull that in all together. You know, we we also have other things like we're looking at the players' wellness, we're looking at their you know, how tired they feel, how much they've slept. And we're trying to bring all that together. And then, we, and as a kind of, so we, we call ourselves as a sort of medical and performance department because it's, it's literally in, integral that we work together um, because then we have to go in and speak to the manager and put together a kind of coherent plan for the, for the day, for, for each player. So, um, and, 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 and that works going forward as well, you know, in terms of planning the week, how much running they do on a on a Monday or a Friday or, or whatever it's all it's all together now um, it, it, it's been a few years at least since you know most clubs would have had a kind of physio department and a, a fitness department and they'd have been completely separate doing their own kind of things but now more and more it's, it's, it's much more of a blend so I work really closely with, with Bloomy who's the head of sort of performance and Dave Carolan you know to go through and iron out all those kind of little bumps in the road because you know the, the players are you know ultimately human and the, the sessions however much you sort of um sort of plan them and coordinate them you know one player can go out and literally attack certain drills and end up with sky high numbers and another player might be you know just just by the way it plays out you know don't doesn't get anywhere near those sort of numbers so it's constantly you're looking at those trying to work out whether they need to do more whether they need to do less um, was the session hard enough? Was it too easy? You know, everything. So we, we try and pull it all together. And then we try and, as a, as a department, go forward to put that to the manager so he's got an idea about where the lads are, sort of, not just injury-wise, but sort of in terms of um, their, their sort of physical output as well. And just lastly, obviously, you, you, you're dealing with the players physically in terms of their <clears throat> rehab and, and recovery, but you've also got to deal with them mentally. Some players are going to take... Uh, bad news about an injury better than some others. We've got Billy Mitchell in the room waiting for us. Also, he spent a lot of time in um, in the early part of last season injured. Some react in different ways. So how challenging is that for you and your staff? Not just that initial period where it's overcoming the uh, the despair of, of learning about an injury, but but kind of monitoring that that sort of more mental health situations as yeah. time progresses. Yeah, I mean it's 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 obviously more and more sort of important, and we're sort of more and more aware of it as as time goes on. I mean, like Bill's in the room now. And, you know, you know, he had a bit of kind of bad luck with with an injury sort of last year, um, and you know, over the summer, I, I watched the program and I actually saw a physio deliver some bad news to to a player, and it kind of gave me a different perspective on it because you know, you, you can be delivering really bad news to them 
which can really knock them. And from the outside, you know, a footballer's life looks, you know, all rosy. They get you know, paid quite well and, you know, they get to do what they love on a daily basis. But as soon as you have to deliver the news that that's going to be taken away from them, it, it can really sort of knock them. And, you know, they, they, they can feel really low and, and, and sort of, you know, a bit lost because all of a sudden, rather than training with the group, they're, they're, they're in the gym with me or Bloomy and they're doing, you know, runs outside with me and Bloomy away from the group. So it can be quite an isolating time. And um, So we, we, we what we try and do is, is try and sort of just sort of keep a, a really good relationship with them, keep honest communication, you know, and, and in some ways, pro probably in one of the most privileged positions in the club in terms of being able to sort of, spend probably the most time with players so you know we get to find out you know everything about them you know what their home life's like if they've just had a baby if they're sleeping well um if they're moving house and that's causing stress so you know it's, it's about just being able to sort of have sort of open honest communication and you know what probably the biggest thing for us is that really you need the players to trust you because in essence they, they're giving you um their career to get it you know, back on track, even if it's just a short-term injury, you know, short-term injuries can turn into long-term injuries really, really quickly, you know, in the, in the blink of an eye, you can have, you know, a very mild muscle injury, you push it a little bit too hard and, you know, it can get worse. Um, so it, it's about building trust with, with the players, really, and they've got to trust you as a person, but also they've got to trust you as a clinician as well, and they need to know that when they come to you and they have an injury that you're going to diagnose it properly, you're going to come up with a rehab plan and that you're going to deliver it effectively because ultimately, you know, if you take Tom Bradshaw, for an example, when he came, he was unlucky, he got a, uh, an ACL injury and was out for, you know, a period of time. But he's, he's kind of putting his rehabilitation and, and return to training and return to playing in, in your hands. So, it's, you know, it's a big responsibility, you know, and... Um, it kind of sounds easy. I'll just you know get them in the gym, get them stronger, get them running. But a little bit more to it than that. So, so I think that's probably one of the key key things for us, really. Direct from the den. This is Wall Talk. Well, Billy Mitchell, thank you for joining us on Wall Talk here in Edinburgh. You've just sat and listened to PT on the on the podcast. How was that listening to him? Because you, I suppose you had a really close relationship with him while she was out for the sort of five, six months during you, your injury. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it was nice to sort of hear PT talk about his side of the job in, in depth. It's not something maybe the fans are 100% privy to. Um, obviously, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and uh, PT and obviously his medical medicine department along with Blooms and the sports science were sort of an integral part of getting me back to full fitness last season. Um, and I never really got an opportunity to thank them um, sort of publicly in the interviews and stuff so I'd obviously like to take that chance now so you're doing that now doing that now yeah it's almost, it, as, if PT, it's almost as if PT has asked you to do that <laughs> isn't it well I don't know about that a little bit related <laughs> maybe but um, but no yeah uh, I think some of the things he talked about are, are really important obviously I remember hearing him talking about how close of a relationship the sports science and medical department can can get to the players hearing about when they're having babies moving house and and that's true, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily have those conversations with the staff and you have closer relationships with, with your teammates and the other players because that's who you spend the most time around. But uh, without doubt, um, you know, these types of staff make up a great deal um, of the time that you spend with the people in the club. So having a good relationship with them definitely definitely is a positive thing. Obviously, the, the fans see what happens on the uh, pitch, obviously some clips and training and stuff. And 
I suppose really for you, for you guys, the people behind the scenes have such an impact on making things as easy as it, as it can be for you so that when you go onto the pitch, all you've got to worry about is what's happening on the pitch. Without doubt. I mean, I have this conversation sort of with my family all the time uh, and I think sometimes the fans and uh, family members and stuff can forget that we're, we're at a meal five, six days a week and they see what happens on a Saturday uh, or during a midweek game as, as sort of the end product. Everything, all the work, all the training we do, all the gym work coming together as a culmination uh, in that game and, and hopefully producing a win. But obviously we're, we're training sort of day in, day out. We've got gym programs, recovery strategies, eating the right stuff, sleeping. So there's a lot more that goes to it. And I think it's important to have a good support network because um, without that, then you're certainly not going to produce the results that you want. Yesterday we had a certain Murray Wallace on, <laughs> on the podcast. It's sort of common knowledge now that you do fancy yourself against them in terms of uh, a fitness challenge and you failed this year mm. okay. what again again yeah what what talk us through talk us through that because about all joking aside Murray says it's a great attitude to have and it is a brilliant attitude to have both on and off the pitch in training yeah uh, obviously some players like well maybe not like but don't mind pre-season as much mm. as others uh, for some they just want to get through this this few week period and get to the beginning of the season um, others sort of tend to revel in the challenge a bit more um, and definitely definitely Muzz um, is my nemesis when it comes to pre-season uh, we both quite like to keep in good shape and uh, obviously it's important to take time off in the off-season but yeah, I managed to get away and have a nice holiday but when we come back um, I certainly hit the running hard because Muzz picked me at the post in the 1500 last year and I sort of fancy my chances this year um, sort of his understudy but unfortunately I can't shy again your, your eyes lit up when you Pulled away, didn't you? Talk us through it, yeah. Bill, because we, obviously we was we was fortunate to be to be watching it, and Muzzle was ahead for a period of time, and then you had a go, you had a go. Yeah, well, I think everyone's got their different races. You know, some people, Mason Bennett, for example, are built powerfully; they're good at the sprints. But uh, being a more slight lad, um, sort of fifteen hundred is is the race I look forward to. Is the one where I think I can sort of try and almost show off a bit. Um, but yeah, Muzz is, Muzz is some athlete. Uh, we, we sort of went off in pairs um, and typically the, the 1500 for most people is around five minutes and, and Muzz has sort of gone off at some pace. We're sort of staying with each other. Five 300 metre laps um, and come the fourth and feeling pretty good, uh, decide to overtake him and, and try and take his soul almost. Uh, uh, come, come probably the last 60 metres of the last lap or so Muzz decides to stick on the afterburners and just breezes past me leaving me in his wake and I've got absolutely no kick I can't lie it wasn't a great feeling but um, I think definitely having someone like Muzz there pushes you to be your best um, and maybe we won't talk about what happened afterwards yeah well there we will go on Bill well no just a rumour going around that you ended up in the in the bushes afterwards what was you doing there I'm not going to lie I was in a little bit of a pickle and (laughs) maybe maybe vomited how many times? Um, two, three, three, maybe three. Well, we yeah. did three or four, yeah. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard conflicting stories. Like four, Look, five, six. I'm gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. It was three times. Uh, yeah. I'm not proud of that, but I was in a bad way. <laughs> uh, although I'm not gonna lie, I felt worse had I not have pushed myself to yeah. the limits. Uh, so as much as I'm proud of that, it wasn't great because the boys had started the passing drill, and for about twenty minutes afterwards, I was still laying on the floor. Um, in all, it's it's good to look back and laugh at, but in all seriousness. It's important that you guys have got that kind of competitive nature because you need that to drive each other on. And then obviously what that translates to is on the pitch, you're physically fitter, but you also you fight for one another, you fight for yourselves, that kind of stuff. That does make a major, major impact. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it all ties in, and I think we're just talking about a very slim aspect of that, but you need boys to compete with each other in the gym. I mean, I think uh, it was talked about on a wall. All talk episode the other day how competitive PC I think was saying how competitive Coops and Hutch are um, positionally obviously midfielders are vying for certain positions as is everyone else in the team and just generally if everyone can try and be that one two percent better it's going to drive the standards up all over the pitch on and off it um, and hopefully you know over the course of a few years or you know even a season uh, that's going to result in every single one of us getting a little bit better so I definitely don't think it's a bad thing. You're still young, but you know you enjoy playing. Once you return from your injury, obviously midway through last season, you enjoy plenty of football after that. After that point, are you going into this new season? Do you feel with a lot more kind of um, confidence in your ability to to hold your own? You know, not just in training amongst the lads, but also in, in games in the championship. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, before being injured, I only played I think ten, eleven games, and then obviously there was a big, big layoff period where I was in the gym, and then I come back and. To, to finally get a consistent stretch of games towards the end of the season. I think it might have been sort of 16 or so games. Um, that did world world of good for my confidence. Because um, I think it's really hard when you're playing itty-bitty parts to sort of um, get, in, you know, get your mojo going and get in, into the swing of things. But playing a consistent set of games was great for my relationship with the boys and also for my football. So... Um, obviously there's going to be a lot of competition for places this year but hopefully I can do the same thing and if I get the opportunity then I'll certainly feel more confident in my abilities to perform These trips away um, we've been to Edinburgh a couple of years now and you went to Portugal as well yeah. once now you're a, probably a senior or not senior but you're a part of the squad properly now how important are these in terms of integrating with squad because you've got a close relationship with Ben Owen and Scotty Malone so how important are these sort of going away with the lads for five, six days um, you know, for you and the rest of the squad? Yeah, they're great trips. Uh, one, just for a change of scenery. Um, obviously, we spend, you know, probably more time at the training ground than what we do at our homes and sometimes it can become a bit samey. So just to get away, um, obviously be able to spend a lot of a lot of close time with the lads. There's a communal room here, table tennis. We obviously watched the England game the other day and, and those sort of things um, are quite bonding. And that, along with trying to drive the standards up, can create, you know, quite a quite a close relationship amongst everyone in the group and yeah it's a good thing not the place for a gentle Sunday afternoon stroll not a place for the faint hearted what a goal that is that is one of the greatest goals you will ever see at Wembley this is a ground a place an atmosphere to be feared Gregory stretching Morrison's there Webster oh he's got it through to Cummings can he finish There is a pot of gold under the Wembley arch and it belongs to Millwall. This is Wall Talk.